Have you figured out your niche? Are you helping adding value to other people's lives? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Munira's Musings with your host, Munira Zahabi. Greetings from Chicagoland. This is Manira, the niche navigator, coming to you live with another episode of Manira's Musings. Our guest today is Richard Blank, all the way from Costa Rica. I'm very curious about what he does because he is known as the CEO of Costa Rica's call center. Welcome to our show, Richard. Good morning, Manira. I'm so happy to be here today. And I can't wait to share my niche with you and your oh, amazing thank audience. Thank you. Thank you. So you have a very unique niche, but you have to understand that what we do here is we put um, people like you and showcase them on our show, partly because we want to, one, figure out what made them navigate to their niche, one. And two, there are a lot of people standing on the sidelines trying to figure out if they need to dip their toes in the entrepreneur waters, right? And people are scared because people, there is no uncertainty in this realm of business. So that's what we do. And we try to make people like you come over here and answer my questions because then we know there's some secret, if there is a secret sauce that we all need to learn about. So without further ado, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, wonderful. Well, as I mentioned, I'm here in Costa Rica running a bilingual, nearshore, dedicated, college-educated place. And it's fascinating. It's really the art of speech when people can get on the phone and they can convert calls, they can prolong conversations, give resolutions. It's sometimes, Munira, this industry has a bad rap. You've seen the movies. Wolf of Wall Street, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Boiler Room. But a lot of people out there earn a wonderful living with uh, customer support and lead generation. And so to me, I still find it as a means to an end. And today, most people prefer to do chat or non-voice. Well, I still believe the best forms of communication are live interpersonal. But now I'm originally from Philadelphia. I'm a Philly boy. And when I graduated from the proud Abington High School in 91, Instead of a lot of my friends that chose Ivy League to study medicine, law, engineering, and architecture, I did what you did, my friend. I doubled down on languages. I was a Spanish communication major at the University of Arizona. And then from there, in August of 2000, I was given a one in a million opportunity. A very good friend of mine gave me this chance to come to Costa Rica and work at my friend Joe's call center for just a couple months. Well, a couple months turned into four years. I decided to stay and I learned the business from the inside and out. I didn't start C-level manure. I sat in the cubicles with the agents, all the good and the bad, the happy and the sad. And I really gravitated towards it. It was almost like my graduate school. And I tell you this, my friend, when you sit amongst the proletariat, you listen. And what I heard was that people did not feel that they had their dignity. And a lot of the times people are concerned about their job stability. And you were asking earlier about secret sauces. Well, kind of, I look at luxury of track records. As much as I think I can give a blueprint to somebody, it's almost impossible to walk in somebody's shoes. And so the things that I've seen that have assisted me in my consistency and being in business for 15 years is how I treat people. 
I think originally you just really need to know somebody's name. And for me, I take it a step further. I love coaching. So I walk the rows. I'll listen when they're on the calls. I'll, I'll grade them. We'll look at the thesaurus and expand on their vocabulary to make it more diplomatic and strategic so we can avoid rabbit holes on calls. We can diffuse any sort of tension, adjust tones of a call, control a call, almost manipulate it, not in a bad way, for the fact that we can resolve things. And so I make these agents so marketable, such talented artists of speech. And so I can see this coming out of people. There are more paintings than a print. So at least, my friend, I have fidelity for what I do. It was a one in a million shot. No one ever thinks they're going to be CEO of a call center. I kind of fell into it. But I do know about momentum. And I know about destiny. And if you can get past your parents' guilt, past certain sort of opinions provided for you and, and things that put pressure on you, you might be able to have a fulfilled true life. And that's what I've done. So this is amazing. So you started out in Arizona, went for four months, stayed in, instead of four months, you started staying there. And now it's been what, 22 years? Yes. And in fact, I married a Costa Rican. We started, as I mentioned, this business together, but I never knew this was going to happen. I was supposed to come teach English for a couple months. And so I put my stuff in storage in Arizona, said, goodbye to my family. <laughs> and I just came down here. But um, it's amazing what happens when you make certain decisions. It's almost like planting seeds to grow trees. And there were certain decisions I made in my earlier years by at 18 years old, being true to myself to what I study at 27, taking that chance. And then how about this? At 35 years old is when I started my company. So it took me a while to be prepared mentally. I needed to be mature enough to handle contracts and payrolls. I also needed impulse control because if there is rotation in companies and there are certain pressures, you need to take deep breaths and hold your course. All right. So now I, I'm, I'm going to deep dive because you told me a lot of things. Now it's really my, my brain is starting to turn. Uh, so Oof, I can yeah. see that. <laughs> so let's talk about it. You yeah, started Monia. out working with this friend of yours. And then when you decided, okay, I'm going to now take this leap and become a business owner. Did you start a new company or take over the first company? That's a wonderful question. I didn't have did not take over my friend's company, but I guess I did learn it uh, from retention, customer support, sales, onboarding, human resources, even accounting, affiliate management, so I could learn search engine optimization. My friend gave me a gift, learn the business. I just didn't learn contracts. But this is what I did know. A lot of entrepreneurs in the beginning are scared, and I don't see why. I, I think it's very exciting to take chances, but just do it responsibly. I didn't want to overextend myself. So what I did was I was working out of my home, of course. I launched a website in October of 2007, landed the first account February 2008. What do I do? It was one seat, 50 hours, but I did it. Anyway, I was renting a turnkey station at a blended call center. So it really wasn't my own. It's like a glorified internet cafe. The guy provided the computer, the internet security, and some coffee. And so what I could do was I could pay for the station, I could pay for the agent's salary and benefits, and I make my margin. That's it. That's it, kiddo. So then you hire an accountant, 
you get an attorney, you get a human resources director, and then you go and you grow one by one. Or as I did in my fourth month, I landed a whale. I went from like six seats to 70 seats. So imagine holding on to those reins. Who but was, it was your a- first client? Oh, my first client was out of Florida. This gentleman named Rob, he wanted me to make calls for his real estate company. Okay, real estate. But I had to be forthright. I couldn't say I got thousands of people. My man, I'm working out of my home and I'm renting space. But um, this individual had faith in me. And the moment that that money hit the account, the deposit to be able to hire the agent, I was elated. It wasn't the size. It was the fact that there was the spark. And I said, if I can do it one time, I could do it 100 times. See, and that's what my mentor says, that if you've done it once, you can replicate it. But what you just said is two things. One, you had the spark. And two, somebody had to have that faith in you. And most people who are on the sidelines don't have that all in one package because they always feel that they're going to be left out. So advice for those people standing on the sidelines who have the spark, kind of, and not showing it, but are scared to death because they don't have anybody to take that leap of faith with them. Okay. What do you tell those people? First and foremost, take a deep breath and calm down. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of it is mental. They do talk about like, if you ever watched the movie, The Karate Kid with Mr. Miyagi and Daniel's son, it wasn't about the punching. It wasn't about the kicking. It was about balance. Wax in, wax off. It wasn't even about that, my friend. It was about balance. Balance? Balance. And then they had to show it in the picture where he's standing there with balance. If, if you don't have balance physically, someone can push you over. If you don't have balance mentally, you can easily be pushed over as well. So that's their own forced march. Munira, I can't help these individuals if they can't stand 100% strong and behind what they do. But this is the way I saw it in the beginning. I knew enough about the industry to start, but I had what I had was a lot of thought and little practice. Oh, I got so much practice. And, you know, I can throw out the, the, the bells and the whistles in the beginning and, and how much I can do this, almost like wanting to get that first job. I had the experience. In the industry, I just didn't have the experience as the owner. And so this guy knew I knew what I was talking about. I, I didn't have to really go for price initially. I go on merit. And so the way that I close accounts, Munir, is not by forced hands. Really, one of the greatest quotes I ever heard, which relaxed my mind when doing negotiation was, from an educated point of view, make a decision. Where am I going with this? Well, if somebody calls me up and asks if we can take an account that speaks Chinese, I don't take it because I don't speak the language. I can't oversee the calls, but B, the labor pool is a little bit smaller. It's something by default from an educated point of view. I can't take it. We're not graveyards. I don't do 24-7. As much as you and I are having a great phone call, we want to work together. That one thing just X's out. And I can't match prices offshore in India and the Philippines. And so as much as we are dancing and as much as the conversation is flowing and we really want to work together, sometimes it just is one thing, that one spark plug that won't make the car go. And so I can't help it. I I know that we're a perfect fit minus one thing. And so for me, if I can go 15 rounds 
if I can literally explain everything I need to do A to, B, A to Z, one to three with my charm, they let me do my whole show. If by chance I don't get the account, I can live with myself on that. I got the full shot at it. And so I'm cool with that. And the clients are okay with that. And I believe that when I start, they ask me the first 10 questions, the contracts, how do you load up, this and that, this and that. And fine, I answer your questions. You can compare and contrast myself to other call centers. But you and I spoke earlier about character during chaos. What happens if somebody leaves you? There is attrition in this industry, more natural than a forced attrition. But I would have to make that phone call to the client and we need to resolve it and move forward. And so don't expect perfect worlds. And in this younger generation, yes, they're moving. Someone might not work with you for 10 years straight. They might not get that gold watch. So we should always be prepared of that sort of rotation, new people coming in, other people leaving. But how do I deal with that? I do know this. I never gave them the walk of shame, never made them cry, never defaced them. So a lot of my attrition, Munira's, because of scheduling conflicts close to the home, boyfriend or girlfriend working somewhere. And so I've known in an industry, if you just treat somebody a certain way, that's a secret sauce. You don't need to crack a code. A lot of it is just how we were raised by our parents and grandparents. And so I'll get those sort of people. I'll get that sort of foundation of people that have been with me over a decade. And I ask why? And it's just very simple. It's just, as they always say, the relationship that we have with them. And I think that's a beautiful thing. They found so, their home. I hear so many different things. But one thing that speaks loud in volumes is that respect, right? You treat others with respect. Partly, sure. it's your upbringing that you've learned from your peers, your parents, <clears throat> and what, what that has been ingrained in you. So... You started this industry. Let me ask you a question. How big was one of your accounts and how small was one of your accounts? Our largest account I ever had grew to 89 seats, which was great. It was a transportation company. And so we just had so many departments because we proved our worth. The smallest account, one seat. I'll take a one-seater. I have to let them know that when you have one seat, if something happens that day and Billy gets hit by a bus, <laughs> you don't have an agent there. I, I don't have a blended center. We just don't have agents at the ready. I'd have to hire somebody and hopefully Billy's okay. But uh, it's the kind of thing where I, I almost get more excited for the one seater because you're talking about the entrepreneur dipping their toe in the water and taking the chance. They have so limited budgets. Mm -hmm. It shows that you're excited about that. So have you done various industries or just picked one industry and stuck with it? You've talked real estate, you've talked transport industry. Fantastic question. Let me shed some light on one thing. There are five campaigns I will never do. We never do sports books, casinos, stocks, pharmacies, or sweepstakes. Nothing against it. Just don't want to do it. And also, we're in a very strict Catholic country, so I just want to make sure that I can fulfill the need of the agent. And so the campaigns that I choose are usually with companies in North America and, you know, United States, Canada, some in Central America and a little bit of Europe. But it's really more of a seller's market. The agents have leverage 
Amazon is here, HP, Intel, Oracle, and all the large centers. So they can pick and choose. It's not that I can't fulfill the need of the client. I got to make sure I get the agents in there and we're competitive. But I'm in all different industries. In fact, I, I reject more than I accept. I'm very selective of the campaigns that come in. I mean, I'm only 150 seats. But then again, I also have a reputation. And I don't want anything gray area. I don't want to be the fall guy. I don't want to work with an account where you have an overzealous supervisor in the United States that prefers profanity or, or writes in red or can their culture might not be in sync with the culture in Costa Rica. And so the accounts that I choose could be in many different types of verticals. It, it involves uh, appointment setting, lead generation, could be back office support, customer support. And, but it's really more about giving us the resources that I need. I need a script, I need rebuttals, I need a list. How do you want the reporting? Can we leave voicemails? Can we do email templates? Are you allowing us to do positive escalations with the gatekeeper? So we can build this sort of rapport. So when you call back, they're going to know who you are. You know, there are certain sort of things that when someone gives me a script, I'll read it. I'll make certain suggestions to adjust the tone strategically and diplomatically. But then in my experience, I'll make certain suggestions in regards to a rebuttal or how to extract certain information to move things forward. And really what it's about is active listening, really being engaged in a conversation. It's almost like kids today that are looking down compared to looking up during dinner. And so maybe on a phone call, you hear a dog in the background. You can let them know how much you love doggies and ask their name. And then you're asking about selling earlier. I don't sell. I just have conversations with people. And if we talk about Chicago and animals and your kids and the weather, and that's what brings us closer to a close because you're comfortable with me. And you can see that I can zig and zag off my script. I'm a real person. I know how to laugh and cry. <laughs> and so people are willing to move forward with someone that they know is real. It's real, real. It's called building rapport, right? <laughs> but sincerity, you got to be authentic because if you're making it up, you're going to get caught. And if I want to really be friends with you, I've really got to show an active interest in you and repeat what you've said and add to it and, and ask follow-up questions. Just don't say, oh, you have a dog. Great. Move forward. No, no, no. What's the doggy's name? You know, what breed is it? That's cool. I can hear barking in the background. Manira, you mind uh, putting it outside for a minute? <laughs> you know, it's, those are the sort of things inadvertently and passive aggressively you can do, as you say, to build rapport. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, looking at websites and LinkedIn profiles have been extremely effective for me because when I call a company, I can discuss their loading docs or what their logo looks like, or you might even see an anniversary or promotion that's there that you can talk about, which immediately separates you from other people prospecting that haven't done the proper due diligence. These are the things that will assist these entrepreneurs just doing the research prior to speaking with somebody like you and I did with each other prior to this podcast. No, this is amazing feedback because even though you bring this from your perspective in your business, it yes. can be transferred in any business because most people don't know that. They look at you and they'll say, oh, he's a call, he's a call center guy. But hey, look at how much he's put into this business and how much he talks about it passionately. It's just a different niche in a different world. 
that we are connected to in most ways, because the minute you call HP, like you said, or any other company, somebody else is going to pick up the phone and it's a call center. We know this, but Mm -hmm. we are never far, once far removed from it, we are always affected by it. And so, you know, it's amazing. My one question to you now is, you talked about the big companies. You said HP is here and you know, Oracle is here and all of the big companies are there. Yes. Now, these are ginormous companies. You are a 150-seat company. How do you stand in their shadow and make it? Oh, so easy. I have a gamification culture. Mm-hmm. I collect classic pinball machines and retro arcade machines, jukeboxes and air hockey tables. So unlike your Amazons, HPs and Oracles that have all the bells and whistles, and I'm so happy there in Costa Rica, Jeff Bezos does not play pinball with his agents. I've personally trained over 10,000 people over two decades. And so not saying that's better or worse, but in the call center Olympics, I have a couple golds. I can't rack it up. They crush me in regards to their deep pockets, the advertisements they do, the relationships they have with the government. And my goodness gracious. But I tell you what, I still am a prince in this country. <laughs> I've done well. It's okay. I always don't need to be the largest. But if I can at least, as you say, make a mark for myself, then I've done well on my journey. I, there's only one Rolling Stones. But if I could be an NXS band, I think it's great. You should always just be happy at your level. If you can do 20 push-ups, be proud of that. Let me put it this way. This should have never happened. This was a one in a million shot. I'm a guest in a foreign country that started an industry which is highly competitive and was able to survive. How did I do it? Well, look at me now. I click my heels, I smile, and I'm gracious every day. And maybe by having that sort of energy and people seeing that sort of authenticity, they gravitate towards that. They know I got their back, even during the tough times when we happen to lose accounts or downsize, people still stay, they still believe in me. And that's what life's about, my friend. I mean, you know, when you turn 50 years old, like myself, you can look back at it. And of course, people have their regrets. But the one thing I know I did do was to I hold my course and I think that's wicked. I think if anybody is capable of weathering storms and still moving forward, and there will always be battle scars, but time, the test of time, I have a luxury of a track record. And so I I, I still from time to time shake my head and can't believe how I got here. But this is what I do know, you take it on a daily basis. And you also need to be healthy. You need to work out. You need to rest. You need to have a good, a good diet because that stuff can creep up on you as well. And so um, those are my suggestions. You know, anybody looking at you will say Costa Rica, my, that's paradise in itself. And oh, yeah. Talking about competing with the big guys. But you know what? What I am hearing you say is one, have the passion that you mm-hmm. have and don't worry about the big guys. Because if you do something authentically and with passion, then the profits will follow, right? And I well, think most people get hung up with 
he's doing it so well. When am I ever going to catch up? And but I, it's, it's your own race, though. Who are we catching up to? Right, As I but, say. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I, I get it. I totally They're so get hard it. on themselves, though. They shouldn't be harder than themselves. They should love themselves. I think, my friend, I think that's where we begin. I think a lot of this stuff is not insecurities because they just don't have the experience on it. I think it's just a foundation of a base. I think it's a true balance. I think it's a true focus. Maybe some of these people need to take a time out and take a walk or a way to decompress, put the phone away. Because you know this, taking long trips, and you're sitting in a car or a plane or a long shower or something where you don't have your phone. When your mind decompresses after 20 minutes, you can have these wonderful thoughts. It's, it's image streaming. You can almost put things into perspective. So maybe little by little, these individuals can chip away on the weight that they're carrying and replace it with momentum. It's that easy. And when are they going to begin? I mean, this is the kind of thing you can wait a month, wait a year. Listen, if you never leave your castle, you'll never slay a dragon. You don't do that. You don't save a princess, never become a prince. So they need to have that sort of vigor and grit to leave that castle. Manira, look what you've done with your 288 episodes on your podcast and your amazing life. And so that's, we spoke earlier about dedicated practice and what you do off camera on how difficult it is to get there. How many examples can I show people from big muscles to playing the violin to six languages to 288 episodes? My friends, it takes time, but it takes one at a time. That's how the 288 grew. And so please, the best examples we can share with your entrepreneurs is, you know, a little time equals a lot in the end. And you might not see it at the moment, but when you look around after a couple of months or a couple of years, look what you've done. So I think that's an excellent way to change that head and to take off that weight and replace it with a Munira positive. Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. How do people find you, Richard? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Well, they can always buy a ticket and fly to Costa Rica and come visit me. We are north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're the only democratic society in Central America and there's no standing army. 95% literacy rate because they put all their money back into education. We mentioned earlier the big boys, which HP, Intel, Oracle, and Amazon, but Sykes and Teleperformance, Concentrics, Converges. Ooh, we all share the same labor pool. <laughs> What's the difference? Once again, it's the rotation. It, it just, if you can give somebody a happy home, they'll stay. And uh, Costa Rica is known for their ecotourism and medical tourism. It's just a beautiful place. But I have a very large Facebook fan page, Manera, with 107,000 people. And when this goes live, you're going to have a ton of new fans. And I'm really excited to do my part to introduce you to my audience and my downline. Wonderful. So this is amazing because you opened my eyes to a lot of different things. Nothing that hasn't been said before, but it's a different way of flavoring the, the meat, I guess. <laughs> the message has been flavored. Yes, ma'am, of course. <laughs> So, I, you know, this is wonderful and I hate to cut it short, but at that time where we uh, have to cut it short, but I know. one day we will meet in person in Costa Rica. You wait, it's going to happen. Oh, I can't and wait. Munira, thank you so much for your time today. You are welcome. So folks, this has been a flavor that was just different. You know, one thing I'm going to tell everybody who's listening is to start. 
wherever you are, just start. You are, like my, my mentor says, you are fully resourced. You've come with everything you need. Just have to figure out what you love to do and start it. And sometimes it's an opportunity given to us by a friend or a colleague or a parent. You never know what opportunity is staring straight at you. But what I want you to do is think about it, like Richard said, decompress and take it to the next level because standing on the sidelines is not helping you. Until we meet again next week with another guest, I wish you the best and we'll I'll ask you to like, share, and subscribe to our channel and get your friends on here because they need to hear this message. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye Thank now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Munira's Musings with your host, Munira Zahabi. If you enjoyed our show, please share and subscribe to this channel. And for more content, please join our Facebook group.